Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Working Dog Wednesday show on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog podcast, brought to you by Joy Dog Food. I'm your host, Callie Simpson, owner of Antebellum Kennels in Georgetown, Kentucky. For more information about Joy Dog Food and to find a Joy dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com. Now, on to the show. Fuel your dog with power. Fuel them with strength. Fuel them with Joy Super Meal 3020. Joy Super Meal is made for the hardest working dogs. With a colossal 510 kcals per cup, magnesium for muscle repair, and pumpkin for digestive health. This formula is made specifically for gaining muscle mass and added endurance. Our Super Meal 3020 is also great for breeders and offers mothers extra calcium and magnesium to assist with whelping. For dogs that work just as hard as you do, make sure to fuel them with the best. Fuel them with Joy Super Meal 3020. To learn more about Joy Super Meal 3020 or to find a dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com or give us a call at 800-245-4125. Hey y'all, this is Callie with the Joy Working Dog Wednesday podcast. Today we have Chase Evans from Garner Creek Kennels in Arkansas joining us. Hey Chase, thanks for coming on. How's it going, Miss Callie? I'm doing well. Thank you for sitting down tonight with me to do this. I know everybody's schedule this time of the year gets to be a little bit much. Um, so I do appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this. Oh, no problem at all. Yeah, things are getting a little wild back down here. Uh, everybody's getting back in the kennel after duck season and starting to drop some rust off and get ready for the testing coming up. Exactly. So before we get going into too much of this, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started, um, you know, exactly where you're at, things like that. Well, I am just a product of a redneck who took his little redneck boy duck hunting <laughs> about 20 years ago. And uh, we had an old black lab named Leah that was my dad's dog. And I think my first duck season was her last duck season. And I always wanted another dog. That was my dad's once-in-a-lifetime dog, and he said, no more dogs. <laughs> and so, oh, I bet we went 10 or 12 years without a dog. And without trying to do this, um, I got my kennel named for Big Hunting Club in South Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so we're going down there for years and years, and about the time I turned 18, I my, finally talked to my parents and they let me get a dog. And they said, no lab. And so I I said, okay. I found this little breed called a Boykin Spaniel. They're about 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got hair, just like my mama likes her miniature collies. <laughs> so they'll have hair, and we can uh, we can have a fluffy dog that'll fetch up. And so they let me get her. And I got a little $500 Boykin Spaniel named Philly. Okay. And she was a little mean machine. <laughs> That's what? cool. Not yeah, not many people get their very very first start with a Boykin spaniel in this. That's pretty cool. It, it sure makes me appreciate the Labradors I train now. <laughs> I bet it does. I bet it does. But I bet it kind of gave you too a an understanding of how to train different types of dogs that come through your kennel. It it definitely did that. So actually, with Philly, 
we didn't do just a ton of formal training. Mm -hmm. She was, I guess you'd call her a meat dog. We only got to go through uh, one season with her. So how I really got into dog training was Philly did not listen to me worth a day. Okay. And she blood trailed deer she, and fetched ducks and chased whatever ran in front of her. But if she got on something, you, you might catch her later. Okay. Um, and she was actually ran, she got chasing something one night and actually went and got ran over. Okay. And so we lost her young. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have to have a dog now. I'm hooked but I will never have a dog that is not trained. Absolutely. And so a few months later, of course, my parents had fallen in love with the dog too, and I was still in college living at home at the time. Mm -hmm. And so they let me get another boykin, and we named her Nellie. Okay. And she was, ended up being the first dog to hunt with. Okay. And around here in Arkansas, all the judges, everyone knows her as, as the mega boykin. Okay. She was a female that weighed about, uh, she's still alive, she's eight now. She mm -hmm. weighed about 55, 60 pounds. Oh, wow. She was big for a boykin, especially a female. Um, she fit the name Mega Boykin. Mega Boykin, absolutely. And uh, through, my dad gave me that old book, Water Dog, like everyone mm -hmm. who gets started in dogs. Oh, and then yeah. uh, Freddie King videos and a couple friends of mine just poked me enough and said, hey, we're going to go run this starter test. You should mm -hmm. come. And I ought to go stop them in the nose. But uh, here I am eight years later. <laughs> still still kicking at it and still still training those yep. dogs. Yep, yep. Well, good deal. Well, speaking of all of this with the Boykins and everything, you know, we had talked a little bit about some different subjects we wanted to hit on. And genetics was something that we thought we'd talk about on this you know, kind of what you're looking for, you know, you started out with these Boykins, um, you know, which are retrievers, you know, kind of in a sense, they retrieve ducks for people, um, you know, technically they're flushing dogs, but that's, you know, we've got them doing that now, but now you've moved on to traditional retrievers. What is it that you're looking for in your dogs? Um, you know, when you're, you're out looking for one for a client or something like that, um, what is it that you want to see for a dog that you want in your program? So I want to see a dog that has some balance to them. Mm -hmm. I I know a lot of times pros that run a lot of hunt tests and field trials, they say they bring me a fire breathing dragon. Yeah. And, and I can train fire breathing dragons. They're fine. Mm -hmm. They're 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 fun and sometimes stressful but fun. Yeah. And uh, but I really enjoy a dog that has some good balance to it. The one that wants to be your buddy mm -hmm. and do the work for you Absolutely. and does the work well. Loves doing his work. Um, I see a lot of people, but being down in Arkansas, we're the black lab capital of the world just about too, with all the yeah. other things we claim. <laughs> and uh, the people will go buy dogs out of these bloodlines, they, and they, they just, just don't. Uh, an average duck hunt, but we don't, an average duck doesn't need to go buy a puppy out of uh, Lean Max or one of these just known dogs that throw these fire bleeding monsters it's gonna be too much dog for somebody yeah and so when i help somebody find a puppy i i kind of try to meet their needs okay like uh, if, if you're a 20 time year duck hunter then be your truck pal and buddy the rest of the time mm -hmm. i would probably look something along the lines of 
like uh, chaos is really popular down here because he's just about 30 miles down the road okay. his puppies are phenomenal for guys like that mm-hmm. they play the game a little bit they hunt a little bit and they're your best friend the rest of the time okay then like a hardcore person that guides 80 days a year and goes to canada and all that mm-hmm. they they may need a more high-powered machine absolutely that is just going to crank them out every day and not stop until they can't go no more. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking at the whole picture here. You're looking at what the the dog's going to do all year long, and not just you know for hunting season. Yeah, I I think a lot of times as pros we get guilty of breeding the dogs that we really like mm-hmm. and selling them to our clients so we get to train them, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to sell some of these fire-breathing monsters we run to your everyday Joe duck hunter. Absolutely. So when you're looking for a dog to run in hunt tests, um, you know, are you looking for the same type of balance or are you looking for a little bit hotter dog for some, for that type of training? It Really for hunt tests, I like the more balanced dog, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're, it's going to be a long-term hunt test dog. It's going to try to run finished or the grand okay. because, a lot of times getting those fire breathers toned down enough to run the grand this isn't very fun for anybody. No, no, it is not. And then uh, the more balanced dogs tend to do really, really well at running the grand and stuff like that. But like I'm, I'm starting to dip my toes into lower stack field trials as well and running a few derbies and quals here and there. I ran my first one last year. When I say I dip my toes in, I'm fresh in. <laughs> and I'm... But this year we're planning on running several more and some of my clients are interested and so they've bought some puppies out of Mm -hmm. some more hotter lines kind of come out of like Fox or um, we got one out of NFC Luke that we we just played and so it's a little bit hotter dogs that play that field trial game and maybe you need a little more high rolling dogs Mm -hmm. for that kind of stuff. Now do you think that those dogs are only going to be able to do those field trial type hunt test or do you think at some point they may be able to run you know some hrc hunt tests or some akc hunt tests i think at some point any dog can it's really an all on how to race mm-hmm. there are some dogs that i really think are bred to run the big game okay and not that they couldn't be toned down mm-hmm. to run um hunt tests at some point yeah but especially in their younger years that they, they need to go and run and be, and just play bigger games than trying to sit still at an HRC finish test. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I think of a dog like Wild Simon's dog, Hat. Mm-hmm. He's a field champion that has stepped down now and he runs Master Test and runs SRS. Yeah. And, um, but he's just calm as can be. Yep. And I, I think a lot of those dogs, I mean, you're not going to take a thoroughbred off Kentucky Derby and <laughs> go trail riding. No, no, you're not. Not until much, much, much later in their life, if at all. That's a very good analogy. So I like that. But speaking of all this, we also, you know, we had talked about um, setting standards for young dogs. Are your standards for these field trial dogs the same as your HRC dogs? Um, Are you setting different standards for these young dogs based on what it is that they're going to do? I would say my standards are pretty similar. Mm -hmm. I I like all my dogs to be obedient and be pretty calm and more laid back if I can get them to be. Okay. Um, that's a lot of how you raise them has to do with that. 
some of them, like I, I've got a little golden right now that he is just hot, crazy all the time until we go inside. Mm-hmm. When we go inside, he's wanting to be in my life and be my buddy. Okay. But okay. I would say some puppies need different standards than others. Like I've got a little female right now that I've had her since she was nine weeks old and we've pretty much had to keep our thumb on her or else she's going to be some uncontrollable monster. <laughs> yep. So, but she's also out of those lines I was talking about mm-hmm. that's really hot. She, she's out of two field champions mm-hmm. and so she's really hot as can be. And so I think standard for if I had sent her to a client home, I'd make sure it was a damn good one mm-hmm. experience with raising dogs. Yeah. When you're raising these puppies, you know, what are you doing to help build this balance in them? You know, like this one that's super hot. What are you doing to kind of tone her down a little bit? A lot of, you know, a lot of puppies, we want, we want to build retrieving desire in them. Well, like we talked about, she's a little thoroughbred, so it's inner. Yeah. And so we we built them to drive as a puppy mm-hmm. and now probably starting obedience earlier than I normally would. Okay. Uh, I've, like she, she started obedience at about 12 weeks old mm-hmm. and normally I'm, I'm more along the lines of raising a puppy. I'll let them be a puppy for a little while Absolutely. on a on more average puppy. Like we're going to throw you some birds. We're going to get in the water. Life mm-hmm. is fun. Life is great. But Sandy, she's a, uh, She's quite a bit hotter than what what a normal puppy is, so we're gonna we started her a little bit early. Okay, yeah, all of that makes sense. And then, um, how many of these dogs are you know, or do you know what percentage go on to to hunt during the you know during when we're not testing, um, you know, and and what do you do to keep them, you know, kind of on their game during that during the hunting season so that they can come back into the kennel and go back into the hunt tests. So, yeah, I- I always preach to my clients to keep your standards high. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I what I try to do a really good job of is having my clients out constantly mm-hmm. so they learn alongside their dog and know how to run the same way I would run them. Okay. So when that dog's about to cheat water, blow your whistle, put him in the water, and make him come back to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, A lot of people aren't going to hold those kind of standards when we're hunting. But then in Arkansas, it's not that hard in, like, cheating water, for example, because mm-hmm. we hunt flooded timber for the most part. Okay. Um, but just not breaking, not whining. I, I have one particular dog. Uh, his owner hunts hard. They hunt 60 days a year, mm-hmm. and I, they're hunting this all this month for snow geese, too. And he probably picked up 1,200, 1,300 bucks this year. Oh, wow. And so he and he's most of my kennel right now we have such a poor season down here yeah but i told him when he picked him up in in october that if he starts whining go put him in the truck yep. and because he he's out he's pretty hot but he's just kind of right there on the line between chaos and control yeah. and he'll start whining right there when he's on the brink and so just get him under control it's better for his long-term career to not hunt the rest of that day then sit there and whine the whole time because we'll never get it stuck. Exactly. So you kind of, you know, you, you want your clients to come out as much as they can work with the dogs when you have them, um, you know, for this more seamless transition from hunting to hunt test season. Yep. And I mean, I, I'm noticing right now, I've 
I got most of my big dogs back this mm-hmm. past week, and we've just kind of been doing a lot of drills, running some blinds, knocking some rust off, and uh, and I can tell the ones that listened to me and the ones that didn't. Yeah, exactly. So when you're training these dogs, are you, um, you know, when you get out there every morning, are you kind of, you have in your mind, like, we're doing this setup today, or do you kind of tailor make everything you do to each particular dog? I'm, I'll usually a tailor make it to each dog. Mm-hmm. I'll have a set of, a lot of times I'll have a set of marks mm-hmm. or a set of blinds, and and I'll kind of, okay, well, this, this little dog, Ellie, she needs to not maybe not run this poison bird, she needs to pick that up and then run that fly. Okay. It, she's a year and a half old dog, not a three year old. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of tweak it to each dog and uh, try to individualize it a little bit. Yep. And then are you running, um, you know, set up certain days and then drill certain days, or are you kind of integrating everything every day? I, I do a lot more setups than I do drills, mm-hmm. and I probably need to change that. Okay. Um, I'm doing. I'm starting off this year on the right foot doing more drills. Mm-hmm. I've been doing some blind drills, and I'm going to do an ABCD drill tomorrow and mm-hmm. uh, things like that to get us off on the right foot. And I was talking to a client out today that uh, I'm I'm starting off this year. We're going to go back to the fundamentals. Okay. I mean, if you go watch professional basketball players in summer camp, that they're working on dribbling, layups, and free throws. Exactly. The, and so we come back in February after that season, and we're going to do the same thing with our dogs. Good deal. And then, you know, you we've been talking about, you know, running some of these lower-level tests and things, but you have been running the Grand, um, you know, which is the HRC's biggest test. Uh, I have. I guess you'd say I'm a glutton for punishment. But, uh, <laughs> Anyone that runs it is. But, and we, I actually got my first Grand test last year. Okay. And, I think I've ran the grand five times now, and I've only passed once. Yep, yep. That that's about average. Sometimes I think I've gone out in every every series of the grand. Um, so when you're getting prepared for this, when do you start pre- prepping your dogs to run? You know, to run in the grand, and what do you do for that? I've tried a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. The way that I found I think works best for me is I'll start eight weeks out. Okay. Uh, so I'll spend a couple of weeks kind of doing what I'm doing, uh, running some drills, fundamentals, getting everything set up right. Uh, if certain dogs need certain drills, then we can hit that. And then we kind of go into hunt test mode where I'll run a couple of hunt tests spread out about a month to six weeks before the grand. Okay. And then kind of figure out where my holes are. Then I'll attack those holes for a couple of weeks. And then we're in full on. At that point, we're just finessing the last couple of weeks leading up to the Grand. I'm not, I know a lot of people like the last 10 days before the Grand to kick their butt real hard and just cram it all in. And I'm, if I don't have it in by then, we ain't got it. <laughs> so, what are you doing for yourself to mentally prepare to run the Grand? Because it is, you know, it's challenging for the dogs, but it is a mental preparation for the handler, too. I mean, for me, I've I've had to really learn to just think about me and my dogs mm-hmm. and focus on them. Uh, you know, down here in Arkansas, there's a retriever trainer around every corner. Yep. And more popping up every day. And 
so there's a lot of comparison that goes on between us down here, whether consciously or subconsciously. And so I'm, I try to just kind of tunnel vision, focus on me and what and what I need to do, and then just take it uh, and tell myself over and over, one bird at a time, one bird at a time. <laughs> because at any moment, things can go, go crazy at the grand. And just when you're thinking one bird at a time, you can nip it in the bud a lot faster than if you're thinking, oh, yeah, we got this. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a very good mindset to have. And uh, I walked into the grand before, a little too arrogant, I think. Mm -hmm. And it humbled me very quickly. Yeah, it's a place that does that to anyone who's run it. Yeah, if, if you're hardcore about it, it's humbled you at some point, if not multiple times. I think I walked in with six dogs and I dropped four in the first series. And I said, dang, I better start thinking about this differently. <laughs> exactly. How many are you taking this spring? I believe we're taking five this spring. Five this spring. Any standouts to you in that five? Um, I'm taking my, my old boy Yogi. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's the dog I passed with last spring. I say, oh, he, he's still really young. He's only a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. He passed last spring barely two and a half and we're going back to the same place he passed so I'm hoping we can repeat that <laughs> I know those are nice grounds down there Georgia has some beautiful grounds I'm glad they came oh, back around with that I wish there was a hotel closer closer <laughs> than 40 minutes away yep so you're taking but, him what about the rest of them so I'm taking him I'm taking my one of my personal dogs named Maverick mm -hmm. uh, Maverick's a cool dog because I have actually haven't owned him his whole life. Mm -hmm. So when I got my start in dog training, I worked for another trainer here locally mm -hmm. and raised Maverick as a puppy. That's cool. And ended up, but he was one of the first labs I ran in a hunt desk. And we put an HR title on him and sold him to a guide up in Illinois. And he was there for three years. Okay. And then, oh, I guess... Last year, Hey, y'all, we're back. We got cut off um, because technology loves me so much. But we were just talking with Chase Evans from Garner Creek Kennels um, about his dog, Maverick, um, that's been a pretty important dog to him. So, Chase, would you please continue with that? Yeah, like I was saying, uh, Maverick or Mav, as I call him, uh, I saw him on Facebook. He was for sale again. Uh, from the guy that we sold him to and I drove up to St. Louis the day after I got back and picked him up and he's been with me two years now we actually went spec hunt the day after I picked him up <laughs> like we never missed a beat uh, but he he made it to the fourth series in Georgia last year okay. and went out the second series uh, in Kentucky Kentucky was not nice to me <laughs> but, I'm uh, sorry I apologize for all of Kentucky for that no, it's part of it. Uh, I'm taking Yogi and Maverick, and then I'll have another yellow dog named Nate. He's got a good shot this year. He ran his first train in Kentucky, and kind of went from hero to zero. But we'll uh, <laughs> but we'll try to do a little bit better this time. And then I'm really excited about a little female I'm taking named Knox. Okay. Um, so Nate and Knox are owned by the same guy, mm -hmm. guy named Eric Wiles, up with PWK Gun Dogs out of Kansas City. Mm -hmm. 
and Knox might be the most naturally talented dog I've ever laid hands on. Okay. She can just mark lights out. She's the, one of the more compliant dogs I've ever been around. She just loves to do the work and dang good at it. Good. Yeah, those uh, are the dogs you get excited about, you know. It, she's going to be super duper special. Um, she's still pretty young. She don't, she'll be three this year. She'll be running her first grand. We still got to actually get two passes for her finished title. Okay. And she is just dang nice. Little 45-pound black female. Okay. Just cute as she can be. And just total sweetheart. But when it's time to go, she is bad to the bone. <laughs> so is she one of those more balanced dogs, or does she lean more on the hot side? She is. In the field, I would say she's kind of a little bit on the hotter side. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started running the finish test with her, we she, she failed a few of them because she decided to fair catch the bird she was on honor. I've had, yeah, I've had plenty of fair catch dogs. Mm -hmm. But but she's also the same dog that we went back to the hotel that night. She didn't actually do anything wrong. And she was climbing up in the bed and trying to be my best friend again. <laughs> Just. She, she's great in the house. I mean, her family loves her. They have a couple of young kids, and they roll all over the floor with her. She's just great. Extremely balanced in the house, but just turns it on in the field. And sometimes a little too much, but we, we've worked on that. I think this year's her year. I like, to, I like to hear that. What do you do to kind of work on that steadiness? Do you have any favorite drills for that? I know that's a question that comes up a lot um, in a lot of those forums and Facebook pages. Well, I would say with all like her, she doesn't need to run run test that often. Mm -hmm. Like we're going we're gonna to run her, get, hopefully get her two passes like the first weekend of March. And then the grand isn't until uh, towards the end of April. Yep. So we'll have four or five weeks in between running there okay. to hopefully get her simmered down. But I really like to throw, um, I'd like to get two or three dogs, two or three handlers lined up and shoot live flyers at about 20 yards. Okay. And just get them to land right there in front of their face and then watch another dog pick them up. Normally I'll get like a puppy or a young dog that's just running wild all around them, mm -hmm. and you just sit your butt down and be still. Okay. You know, what about you? I'm always interested to hear from somebody else, and oh, you've yeah. passed the grand quite a few more times than I have. So. Well, I mean, we do some, I mean, I think everybody's got their version of that drill that they do, um, you know, and it's a good one. You know, it's uh, it's something that, that needs to be in just about every program. I don't think there's a dog out there that wouldn't benefit from a steady drill like that. You know, um, so good. We've got her. It sounds like you've got a good crew going this year. Um, what about your young dogs coming through? Do you have any standouts there? I've got a, I've got a couple standouts. Um, the dog I was talking about, the, the he may whine a little bit earlier. is Rip. Um, he's going to be really special, I do believe, too. He just, he just turned a year old this last summer. Mm -hmm. And so he this year, he should turn on pretty good. He probably runs a lot in the fall. He may make the fall grand, maybe not. Okay. Um, his owner likes to hunt him a lot. So we, 
that that may determine whether he runs the fall grand or not. That that hunting always gets in the way of these hunt pests. You know, they buy these hunting dogs and then they want to hunt them. You know, I know how selfish that one. It gets in the way of all that. Um, what helps you determine if a dog's ready to run the grand? You know, because it is a qualifying thing. They have to have you know finished a finished title and a hundred points, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to run the grand. What, what are your qualifications for a dog to do it? So typically my qualification, of course, they're going to have their finished title and they got to do it, go through it pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that everybody has these dogs that kind of come through and they'll, if, if they start from ground zero and don't run start of their season, they got to seven finish passes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take, 12 or 14 tests to get your seven passes, you're probably not ready to run the grant. Yep. Um, but if you go seven for seven, you, you might be a contender. Mm-hmm. Um, usually with me, I'll do some training setups when I'm getting ready for the grand. Uh, typically in the grand or in any finish test I've, I've ran down here, you're going to have one money bird per test. Mm-hmm. You'll have two that like, yeah, you still got to get them. They're not gimmies per se but then there's that one you're like that's the money bird out there yep. and i'll in training i'll set up a triple and i'll put three money birds out there and if you can get all three of them mm-hmm. then i'll give you a shot okay and if they got to do that consistently they can't just get lucky either mm-hmm. but maturity is a big part of it too yep. i've got a couple dogs that'll turn two this year that it probably have started running finish this last fall. They just weren't quite mature. They'd get a little wound, get wound tighter in the fiddle string out there. And just that they'd fall apart being young dogs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, you do take that into consideration a lot of the time with some of these dogs that, you know, it may be they may have a grand title in them, but they need a little bit of time to mature to that. You know, not every dog's meant to do it at a young age. Yeah, that. I think very few dogs are. I mean, I I know of maybe one or two dogs that passed the grand before they were two. Mm-hmm. And there's very few two-year-olds that get through it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think when me and Yogi passed, when he was two and a half, uh, there were two or three other two-year-olds that passed out of the 170 dogs that passed in Georgia. Yep. Uh, it's just they're few and far between. They are, and and I think we do we do kind of miss that a little bit sometimes. Is these dogs are they're they're dogs, you know, they're not machines, um, and they do need a little bit of time to mature. Yeah, I, I think dogs that they hit that two, three, four year old mark, and most of the time that they're really hitting their prime, mm-hmm. and that that's your best shot at the grant. I think. Okay. And are you running mostly HRC tests um, with these hunt tests, or are you doing um, much with the AKC side of the hunt testing? I don't do much on the AKC side, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because it's not close to me. Okay. Um, down here in Arkansas, I'm, I'm in central Arkansas, about 30 minutes from Little Rock. Okay. And I think I counted with the new club they just started in Jackson, Tennessee, there's 13 clubs being four-hour drive of my HRC club. Okay. And I think there's three uh, AKC clubs in the same driving distance. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And so, it's it's hard for me to, and a lot of my grand 
crew doesn't care about running master because the we got to drive so far and the expenses are so high. Oh yeah. And so that they'd rather focus on the grand or if we're going to travel, they'd rather go run a qualifying or something like that. Absolutely. So you're kind of diversifying into the, the qualifiers and the, the derbies. Yes. I, I, I ran a few of them and I really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ran three last year and finally in my, in my third one, me and Yogi got a jam oh, cool. in the qualifying. And that, that was fun for me. I was, uh, I was smiling. I think <laughs> I was the only person on the green ribbon smiling. I mean, it, hey, there's something to be said for those that, you know, if you come away from one of those with a ribbon, I think, I think you've accomplished something. I mean, yeah. ha, you know, just going and running one is a huge accomplishment. It, it's definitely different and it can be intimidating because, I mean, they're, they're looking at, you know, you're just a dang old hunt tester. <laughs> exactly. I, I wore camo shorts the first one and they stared at me funny. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you get that at, at some of the AKC tests, too. Um, well, good deal. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad that, you know, and, and I think a lot of us that have run the hunt test for so long, we're, we're kind of branching out into these other areas of, of dog sports. And I think that's really cool, you know, because a lot of these dogs are capable of, of doing a little bit more and it'll set, you know, set the dogs apart. You know, it's like, yes, we can do these hunt tests and we can do, you know, some of these field trial, you know, testing too. And I think that's a good way to set these dogs apart from other dogs. Yeah, I think the SRS has done that a lot for mm-hmm. a lot for our game. Absolutely. I've met Miss Shannon a bunch of times. She, she's been at some of the Pen Oak HRC meetings. And, and, of course, we put on a big uh, SRS event over here. I think it's the biggest one. And I think a lot of people that have dipped their toes in that have seen, man, we can, these dogs are really capable in every area. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really showing the dogs that are that next level kind of good. Like, like we talked about Hatch earlier or Justin Herger's Chief Dog and yeah. uh, Stephen Guzman's Dre is one I really think about. That well, just I've got a soft spot. I've got several Dre puppies in my kennel right now that I love very much. Uh, I'm thinking that on Knox I just talked about, she may be a contender to have some Dre puppies someday. I, yeah, he's definitely one to watch. I, I thoroughly enjoy the, the ones I have that are they're out of him and the, those kinds of games i think are just changing changing the whole view of retriever sports mm-hmm. yeah it most certainly does you know the srs has opened up a lot of doors um you know and it is a good way to separate these dogs because when we talk about breeding and genetics you know we we do want the best possible dogs we can get and when they are able to compete in those those events it it does give us a better pool to choose from yeah, I mean, I, I would like to, I would say if I had a client that was really looking to maybe get a dog that might play every game, I would definitely go looking at those SRS dogs. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, well, they, they do pretty much play every game when they're running those. So you, uh, you always say the best you can get is a field champion to a field champion. Well, that, maybe talent-wise or marking, but I don't think your best all-around dogs are those. That, yep. They, uh, a lot, especially the amateur SRS dogs. Mm-hmm. I, I've trained several out of Jeter. That's actually Yogi's grandpa. Mm-hmm. And those Jeter dogs are just, they're, they're high rolling in the field when you need them to be. But when they're 
when they're at home, I mean, Yogi, well, he goes deer hunting with his owner. His, <laughs> his owner's a, uh, he's a contractor, and he goes to lunch with people every time, and he'll only go eat lunch at places like Buffalo Wild Wings that has a porch, but him and Yogi can sit on the porch <laughs> and eat lunch together. That's cool. I mean, that's a dog that he's living his best life right there because he can. You know, he can go out and, you know, run all these tests and do well and then go hang out, you know, on the porch and have chicken wings. I mean, that's a good yeah. life. Oh, yeah. It's better than mine. <laughs> so you're down there in Arkansas. You said about 30 minutes outside of Little Rock, correct? Yes, ma'am. So you got, you just built a new facility down there, didn't you? We sure did. We're really happy with it so far. Good deal. So you're doing, you're training mostly for the retriever games and hunting dogs. Um, and you're doing some boarding and obedience as well. Yeah, we do a little bit of that. I, um, this time of year, I stay pretty busy with the retrievers, but through the fall and winter, um, I do a lot more obedience and actually track. I, for the first time, I trained a service dog this year. Okay. I, he's not quite like some of these others. <laughs> he's more or less, uh, he could probably go hunting if we wanted to, yeah. but um, <laughs> um, he, the guy, he has some really bad PTSD and anxiety. He needed, he needed just a, a, a battle buddy is what he calls it. Okay. And so there's a lot more advanced obedience, and he has some uh, issues walking as well. He's in a wheelchair about half the time, mm -hmm. and so he, I trained the dog walk beside a wheelchair and things like that, oh, and wow. just uh, some things that I. I normally wouldn't teach dogs, but I had a little, little bit of extra time, and so I enjoyed doing it. Absolutely. No, that's really cool. And to be able to give back like that with a dog, I mean, dogs make, you know, it, we like to have these, you know, these hunting dogs and these things like that, but they can give back in so many other ways, too. It, 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 it's really incredible what some of them can do. So the, the veteran I trained it for, he was actually a bomb dog handler in I believe Afghanistan. Okay. And he was injured on um overseas and that's how he has his some of his problems that he has. And I believe he lost his dog in in, okay. in action doing that. Uh, okay. And so it, it really meant the world to him to be able to get another dog that's his and um be able to help him with the problems he's got going now. So that's actually a yogi pup. His name's Moses. Oh, that's cool. Big old burly yellow dog. <laughs> just sweet as he can be. Well, good. Well, that's really neat. Well, yeah, so you've got it going on down there. You've got, a, you know, your kennel going and everything. Um, and how are you liking the Joy Dog Food? I like it a lot. Okay. Uh, I've, it feels like I said everything under the sun trying to get some of these guys to just maintain weight and maintain uh, good solid tools and everything like that mm -hmm. and it's just been super inconsistent um i fed purina for the last couple of years mm -hmm. and, and i was feeding the salmon and rice purina and i switched to joy super meal okay and i didn't have any i don't have any real complaints with purina it's a good food mm -hmm. if the joy factory burns down i'll buy purina tomorrow but <laughs> um Price. I know a lot of retriever trainers always talk about food. Oh, I feed so much less, or I'm saving so much money, and mm -hmm. it's not about that to me. Yep. I I try to feed the best I can, mm -hmm. and for what I can afford. And Joy definitely fits that bill. 
and everybody's doing really good on it. I've had a couple of dogs that couldn't maintain weight that are holding weight really good. Okay. And some that would have a lot of upset stomachs, and they're doing really good. That pumpkin and the mm-hmm. some of the probiotics I think they put in, Joy, yep. um, is really doing well for them. And which varieties are you feeding? Because, um, you know, they've we've got the 3020, 2420. Um, I think I've got about every one they make down in my kennel. Um, what what are you having success with? Yeah, I'm feeding the 3020 super meal to everybody. Okay. Um, and I, everyone's doing really good with it. I'm feeding about average what I would with any other dog um, or any other dog food. I mean, I, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. And I've even had to cut a couple of them back. Okay. And so it's it's a it's really good working for us and i'm i'm enjoying what i see out of it big deal and when you're doing this are you um are you supplementing with any other uh joint supplements or anything like that um are you just feeding straight up dog food um i actually have a kennel affiliation deal with alpha dog nutrition okay um and i use their research their recovery supplement Mm -hmm. as well as their balance uh probiotic okay uh, I really like what I see out of that. The, but I mean, more probiotics is never a bad thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the, the resurgence is really, really good for them in the heat. Cause it gets hot down here. And, and even some of the dogs, like all my dogs that are goose guys, that go get 50, 60 birds a day, mm-hmm. they, they eat the resurgence year-round. Okay. Because it... I mean, I know a few of mine are getting on up in age now that are five, six, seven years old, and it it just helps them recover and bounce back, and, and I, I really like what I see out of it. Okay. In the summertime, it run cooler. Mm-hmm. So you do Zoom Dog, don't you? I do. Yeah, we've been using Zoom Dog. Um, oh God, for a decade, um, and it's it's um, pretty comparable. I, I was actually talking to somebody the other day about the differences between the Alpha Dog and the Zoom Dog. Um, you know, and it, it's pretty comparable. Um, I like it because we get the other products, um, like the calm dog and the, um, the thirsty, what is it? Thirsty dog. I think, um, I use that for recovery a lot when it's hot. Isn't it thirsty dog kind of recovery dog? Yeah, it is. It's, um, they're, um, electrolytes. Um, so yeah, I've been with them, um, for a long time, but you know, it's nice that we've got this dog food that you know, we can kind of tailor make it to the dog's needs. And then when we are adding these additives, um, you know, the joint supplements and things like that, we don't, you know, we can, we can tailor make everything to exactly what the dog needs, you know, each particular dog and, you know, different times of the season too. Um, are you noticing you're needing to feed more during hunting season or are you staying about average with everybody? The one, my guide dog, um, that hunt every day. I think they're eating a little bit more, mm-hmm. but uh, I train for a lot of goose guys, and the snow snow geese and specks are getting really big down here. And so, I mean, one of my clients shot 106 birds yesterday. Oh wow! And so he he was texting me how much do I need to be feeding my dog mm-hmm. now that he's killing and re- retrieving 100 birds a day. <laughs> That's a lot and, of birds. Uh, I say give him a little bit more. He's he can take it. Yeah, he needs a little bit, uh, a little bit extra. Heck, he needs a little bit extra just as a treat for picking up that many dadgum geese. Oh, yeah. But um, a lot of mine are doing really, really good with the 30-20 and staying about the same year round. 
we've been seeing it for several months now. And, and I actually can't take the blame for switching our kennel over to to Joy. Okay. Um, my my young dog trainer, Randall Maynard, mm-hmm. uh, he's, we were talking about food and supplements and this and that a few months ago. And kind of as we started dialing down for the fall, um, he said, well, why don't you just let me give Joy a try? And we'll, I really believe it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. It's it's a lateral move price wise, okay. and we'll we'll we'll, we'll give it a try. And I have not looked back. Good so, deal. So he, y- y'all can thank him for my business. <laughs> well, that's nice. We thank you very much for that. Um, well, good deal. Speaking of geese, we don't talk about that a lot on here because I haven't talked to a lot of people that train. The hunt, or the, you know, a lot for the goose hunting. Um, what are you looking for in a goose hunting dog? Because I know a lot of guys, you know, you want a bigger dog, um, you know, something that can haul those big birds back. Is that something you take into consideration, or do you have other qualities you look for? Well, a bigger dog is definitely going to hold up better long term. Mm-hmm. Um, some of like I have a little male that he's running a big goose operation, and I think he's about fifty-five pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just a lean, mean retrieving machine. Mm-hmm. He's a little British dog. Yeah. And he's just really, really nice. Which not something I might say about a lot of British dogs. <laughs> but uh, he's uh, I, I'd like a goose dog to probably close to that seventy pound range. Mm-hmm. Um, that can handle the bigger birds a little bit better. Okay. Um, but those are the kind of dogs that I would take if the handler is good for it. Mm-hmm. then I would say they could probably take the fire-breathing monster. Okay. Because um, a dog has to really, really love it to <laughs> to go and pick up 106 birds a day. Well, that was going to be my next question was, it's not just about the size of the bird. When you're doing these conservation hunts, you know, because the farmers have, you know, you guys come in and eradicate these birds because they're taking over. Um, it's not a, just about the size. It's about the quantity that they're picking up, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this little dog's name is Mac. Mm-hmm. I want to say we hunted with him almost every day in early goose season back mm-hmm. in November. And he had 300 retrieves in 10 days. Oh, wow. I mean, he it's just, it, it's wild how many specks and snows that, that we kill down here. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I had a little female that her, her owner runs bomb me to duck lodge i killed duck things mm-hmm. and he was worried about her picking up geese but she's probably about 50 pounds and he did the job real good if they love the retrieve mm-hmm. most of them will figure it out and be okay okay but i think for your long-term goose dog one of my clients he he guides all the way from alberta uh, down to oklahoma and back up okay. and his males are about 75 pounds and picking up big Canadas or snows or specks the whole nine. And I think a bigger dog holds up better. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here with me tonight. Um, go ahead and tell everybody, again, the name of your kennels and where we can find you at. All right. Uh, my kennel is Garner Creek Kennels out of Baby Arkansas. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Or uh, my phone number's on my Facebook page. You can call me anytime. Anytime anybody has any questions, I'm always willing to help. And if you're close by, come train with us. I always love having people out. 
Well, I appreciate you again, and thanks y'all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.